Um, you know, we're never going to get 100 people, 100% of the people to agree on who should win the election, hmm. but we should have as close as possible to 100% of the people who have confidence that the election process was done with integrity. Okay. Now maybe the cyber ninjas well, agree. We'll see. I got the feeling that something right. Got some breaking news. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. In my hot little hands. And I'm how I'll get down the stairs. Oh, you're gonna like it. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. Some of you may like it. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLRI, LPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. As I said at the top, yes, we have got some breaking news, Desi Doyen, and all <laughs> I have to do is sort of make sense of it here. You, um, It's quite likely you have not heard this news anywhere else. Well, depending when you hear today's uh, uh, broadcast. True. Because I have uh, obtained a whole bunch of documents and information that is uh, still warm from the printer, even as we go to air here. So please forgive me as I uh, 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 make sense of this live with you on the air. Ah, yes. And, you know, we had a whole show planned and everything, and then this happened. It's true. I know. We did. Uh, and so uh, w- what the rest of the show will consist of, well, we'll find out. Yes, it'll be an adventure. For now... Here's what we've got. Some information coming out of Maricopa County, Arizona, the uh, which is Phoenix, Arizona. You may be familiar with the Cyber Ninjas who have for the past, I don't know how many months, I think they started in April, uh, have been doing what they call a forensic audit of the 2020 presidential election in Well, not in Arizona, but specifically in Maricopa County, Arizona, which is the largest county in the state by far. And essentially, whatever happens in Maricopa County is going to affect the entire rest of the state. The state where Joe Biden was found to have won by about 10,000 votes in uh, in 2020 in the presidential race, the first time that a Democrat had won in uh, Arizona in many, many years. Uh, He won by about 10,000 votes statewide. He won by about 45,000 votes in Maricopa County, at least according to the official returns. 
that were tabulated on voting systems made by Dominion, if you believe in those computer-reported tallies. Of course, the Cyber Ninjas did not. The Cyber Ninjas, basically one guy named Doug Logan, who uh, uh, his company comes from Sarasota, Florida. He had been a, a Donald Trump MAGA mobster who had been pushing false conspiracy theories about the election prior to being hired by the state Senate in Arizona to carry out this forensic audit. Somebody who has zero experience, by the way, in conducting any kind of professional election audit. That's true. And conducting any kind of audit, period. And hi, Desi Doyen. I hi. don't know if I got to say hi because I'm so excited I with know. all of these documents that I'm going to try to make sense of for you uh, here and now. This is the uh, information about the Maricopa County forensic audit that began in April. It was supposed to take three weeks. Instead, it took how many months since April, May, June, July, August, September? About five months or so. Uh, It's going to be released uh, officially on Friday. And as I understand it, they are still working on the uh, final, uh, whatever they're going to call it here, the, the final information, the final report from this audit. And things may change before the, the rest of the public gets it. But broadcast listeners will get the key information before anyone else. So Maricopa County, this is uh, their forensic audit. They looked at some 2.1 million ballots in the uh, Coliseum there where you've seen those pictures of, uh, you know, all of these crews in various colored T-shirts looking at these ballots, even though the public itself was not allowed to oversee this process, this secret process that was funded with about $150,000 or or 1.5 million, I can't remember, some amount of money from the Arizona State Senate, and that was dwarfed by millions and millions of dollars that was coughed up and given to the cyber ninjas and all of their pals to, to really pay for this audit. A whole bunch of folks in MAGA land who spent a whole bunch of money who are probably not going to be very happy about what the cyber ninjas appear to have found which uh, they describe in some of their information here as both encouraging and alarming. Now, the report that they issue on Friday will be three different volumes, and it looks like they are burying the, uh, the key information down in the third volume. But they uh, up at the front, they note some things they find to be alarming. It seems there are some you know, concerns about how, uh, you know, ballots that were cast from some individuals who had moved prior to the election, which is, of course, not illegal, depending on where they moved, depending on how that went. Uh, they claim that there was some corruption on some of the computer files that were in the Dominion election management system server. They make other complaints or, or, or findings that, frankly, in my 20 years of covering elections are pretty normal. You know, recommended improvements for how elections can be run better. But the bottom line is that after all of these months and all of this sturm and drang and all of these millions of dollars spent on this uh, on on this audit and all of the other similar forensic audits that it has now begun to spawn around the country what did the cyber ninjas find well it appears that they found that the original results that were counted by the county Maricopa County in both the presidential race 
and the U.S. Senate race. Remember, they also looked at that because those were the two elections that Democrats won. Those were the ones that they were concerned about uh, being active. They must be wrong. Why would Democrats win in Arizona? So they looked at the uh, race between Trump and Biden. They looked at the uh, uh, U.S. Senate race between Mark Kelly and Martha McSally. Mark Kelly is the Democrat who ended up winning that race. And in both of these cases, guess what the Cyber Ninjas found? It appears that the numbers matched up almost exactly as they were reported originally by the county. Now, they are off uh, here and there by, uh, I mean, an infinitesimal amount, to be frank. We're looking at in the uh, in the presidential race, there was more than four million ballots counted. Turns out the numbers, at least by the uh, forensic audits finding done by the right wing cyber ninjas, turns out their count differed from the Maricopa County count by a couple of hundred bu- a couple of hundred votes. That's it. Actually, less Out of four million. Yeah, actually less than a thousand total. If you count the uh, the Trump votes, the Biden votes, the Jorgensen votes, he was the libertarian candidate and then the write ins along with uh, overvotes and undervotes. If you concentrate just on Trump and Biden, we're talking about less than 400 vote difference out of some 4 million votes cast. And in fact, guess what? Donald Trump actually lost votes in the Cyber Ninja audit, and Joe Biden actually gained votes in the Cyber Ninja audits. Oh, well, what do you know? So as it turns out... After all of this money, after all of this nonsense, after all of this secret uh, uh, post-election vote counting. And by the way, I favor uh, post-election audits as long as they are done publicly so that everyone can follow along. That Pub- was not the case here. Yeah, publicly, professionally, with public oversight. That's something that is and also nonpartisan. And, well, no, nothing will ever be nonpartisan. Okay. Everyone is partisan. Everyone, you know, even if they are not. Partisan People will claim that they are partisan. So you're never going to find non-partisans, right? That's why it's got to be public. So that you can have the worst, most partisan person in the world. Let's say someone who, you know, claimed that there was a massive conspiracy to steal a presidential election. And they went out on Twitter and they made these claims that they couldn't get, they couldn't back up. And then they got hired by the state of Arizona to count the ballots, even though they were so unbelievably partisan and so unbelievably inexperienced to do this exercise. We want even someone, someone like that to be able to look at a post-election audit as long as it is all public. In any event, this was not that. This was done in secret, and nonetheless, what they came out with was, yeah, Joe Biden beat Donald Trump. And Joe Biden beat Donald Trump by more votes than was originally reported by the county that were being uh, challenged here in this case. In the Senate race, the U.S. Senate race, well... Both Martha McSally, the Republican, and Mark Kelly, the Democrat, both of them ended up losing votes in the uh, uh, the, the Cyber Ninjas audit, forensic audit, uh, as compared to what was found by the county originally. However, Martha McSally uh, apparently lost hundreds of votes. Uh, under the uh, under the Maricopa County, uh, uh, I'm sorry, lost hundreds of votes under the Cyber Ninjas audit, whereas 
now the new Senator Mark Kelly, he lost less, less than 100 votes. So once again, the final results from the Cyber Ninja audit, uh, Cyber Ninja's audits show that uh, the Democrat Senator Mark Kelly gained votes, ultimately gained a vote margin over the Republican Martha McSally. And the original tally conducted by Maricopa County yeah. in those races was accurate. Pretty much right on the money. Yeah. I mean, bar- barely off. All told, uh, with in the Senate race, for example, again, where you had more than 4 million votes, even according to the ninjas, the ultimate results were only off by just over 1,000 votes out of 4 million. Now, of course, we don't want it to be off by any votes whatsoever, but computers read votes differently than human beings do. That's one of the reasons why I often call for hand counts in uh, contested elections or even elections that people just have questions about. But in this case, in this hand count, uh, and again, they are burying this information. The Cyber Ninjas are attempting to bury this information in volume three of their three-volume report. They don't get to those presidential numbers and those uh, Senate numbers, at least currently, until uh, volume three. As I said, things may change before this is released on Friday. But you heard it here first. The cyber ninjas find that Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump in Maricopa County, Arizona, and the cyber ninjas find that Mark Kelly defeated Republican Martha McSally in Maricopa County for the U.S. Senate race. And in both cases, the Democrats picked up, grew their margin over the Republican. Nice going, ninjas. Anyway... You probably heard it here first. Quick break, and we're back with more Bradcast, maybe some of the stuff we actually planned to do today. (laughs) Right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Burning down the house uh, from DC to Arizona. Welcome back to the broadcast. <laughs> Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. I'm going to get to where we were supposed to begin today's show, but Desi Doan, you asked me uh, during the break, was any was there any fraud that yes, was found? because that was the whole reason they wanted to do it, was to find any fraud. My answer, I do not know, okay. because I'm just working through uh, a lot of this information, but so far I see no signs of it. There is no notice of it up uh, near the front of this information where you might expect there to be a notice. We found fraud. I find nothing about fraud. Okay. At all. Now, I could be wrong. There might be something that there surfaces could be, in that uh, long Yeah, because we got, uh, yeah, uh, dozens and dozens of, of pages and of information, and um, there are uh, records. There, I'm t- told uh, gigabytes, terabytes of information that is actually going to be released on Friday. But as far as I know, nope, nothing about fraud. So to repeat the story, if you're just tuning in, the cyber ninjas 
forensic audit of Maricopa County, Arizona, the 2020 presidential race and the 2020 U.S. Senate race found that, yes, in fact, Joe Biden did defeat Donald Trump and actually defeated Donald Trump by even more votes, according to the Cyber Ninjas, than the county originally reported. And the news is similar in the U.S. Senate race. Democrat Mark, uh, Mark Kelly defeated Martha McSally by a larger margin, according to the ninjas, than originally reported by Maricopa County. So, well done, guys. Nice work. Good jobs, suckers and dupes and stooges and patsies who sent in millions of dollars to these cyber ninjas because you thought, because you were told, because you were lied to that there was going to be fraud and that somehow magically the Dominion voting systems, despite zero evidence to support it, the Dominion voting systems somehow, with the cooperation of the uh, uh, dead Hugo Chavez in Venezuela and George Soros and Cuba and China, somehow flipped the results. Turns out none of that happened at all, or if it did... Millions and millions of dollars spent over months and months of so-called forensic auditing was unable to earth, unearth it, even by far-right Donald Trump partisans who put this uh, forensic audit together. Got that? Now, they do make recommendations, by the way, uh, voting machines. They should make changes in the type of voting machines. What? I'll, I'll look forward to uh, looking through some of this material in full. But now you got the bottom line. You're welcome. In the meantime, where we started to go, where we had thought we were going until just minutes before airtime, you know, we, we try to avoid wasting your time on this program. We try to only give you information that you need to know about that actually matters. We try to waste your not to waste your time by, you know, covering the dumbest and the most partisan stuff that goes on in Congress, the procedural stuff, the chum Especially when it's, you know, very transitory and it's changing minute by minute or, or day by day and likely to have changed in some fashion by the time uh, many hear today's program. But this one, as unspeakably stupid and pointless and dangerous as it is, it, it could, if it remains on its current trajectory, have an extraordinarily disastrous effect on Americans and the entire U.S. economy and potentially the world economy since the U.S. economy is so tied to the rest of the world. Now, we spoke a little bit about this on our program yesterday, uh, though we we mostly focused in our conversation with uh, congressional historian and political scientist Norm Ornstein on the Democrats' efforts and their internecine struggles to try and pass the critical Freedom to Vote Act and on Ornstein's belief that they would, that the Democrats would ultimately be able to reform the filibuster in some fashion in order to push that important bill through. And we also talked about his belief that Democrats were similarly likely to finally come to an agreement among themselves on Joe Biden's major build back better agenda to include a huge and decades long overdue expansion of the social safety net, including expansion of health care, child care, parental leave, child tax credits, uh, payments, free pre-K and community college for all Americans, among other things, including the largest ever U.S. effort 
to curb greenhouse gas emissions that are responsible for our man-made global warming climate emergency. All of that is in this bill. Norm Ornstein thinks that somehow they're going to be able to get that to pass. That currently $3.5 trillion bill, it may be pared back, but by and large, all of the core elements, he said, he told us on this program, will be there. If you missed that program, it was a good one. Download it for free from bradblog.com. And, yes, he believes, we'll see if he's right, that even folks like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema from Arizona are going to come around and uh, allow this uh, Freedom to Vote Act to go through by, in some fashion, reforming the filibuster. So, But both Ornstein and I did reference on yesterday's broadcast, if briefly, the completely stupid and unspeakably dangerous game that the Republicans in the U.S. Senate are now playing right now by threatening to default on U.S. debt obligations, to refuse to pay for stuff that we have already bought, essentially, and in the bargain thrust the nation into a completely self-induced debt default crisis that is certain to damage the good faith and credit of the United States government itself, not unlike when they tried a similar gambit back during the Obama administration, I think back in uh, 2011, which resulted at the time in a hit to the U.S. credit rating. But the credit bureaus said, well, you know, those U.S. bonds are maybe not as uh, solid as we have always thought them to be. And they actually we took a hit on our credit rating, the United States of America, for the first time in history back then. Well, now it seems that Republicans are threatening to do the very same thing again that they did back in 2011. But this time they're not actually demanding anything real or tangible in return for not doing it, for not throwing us over a fiscal cliff. They, they seem to now just be doing it largely because they can do it, no matter how destructive and, yes, costly it will be to the country. And I should say here uh, something that actual conservatives would never do if they were actually fiscal conservatives, which the Republican Party is decidedly not and has not been for many, many years. So it would be really nice if Democrats and the media stopped giving them the gift of calling them conservatives. Because what they're about to do is about to be unbelievably costly to the United States for no good reason, if they do it. Anyway, I'll try to stay off that hobby horse uh, for the moment, but uh, it drives me crazy. While Ornstein, in any event, on this show, he's a longtime senior fellow at the right-leaning American Enterprise Institute. While he was somewhat confident on uh, yesterday's program that Democrats would ultimately overcome their internecine obstacles to ultimately pass a transformative version of Biden's Build Back Better agenda and even the critical voting rights bill, uh, now known as the Freedom to Vote Act, both of which are tall orders at this moment, he was optimistic nonetheless about all of that. He was far less sanguine about the, uh, the ability to overcome Republican obstructionism when it comes to the debt ceiling, the, with the Republicans now seemingly hell-bent on shutting the government down entirely, that is one part of this, and the other part, defaulting on payments for stuff that the U.S. government, Democrats and Republicans alike, have already committed to paying for. Here was Hornstein yesterday. The debt ceiling is another issue 
uh, entirely, and I'm actually a little more concerned about that because I think we have a group of Republicans. You know, if you've got Republicans like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott and Christy Nome and uh, uh, Reeves, uh, Tate Reeves, Tate and Reeves, yeah. so many others who are willing to let hundreds of thousands of people die uh, for their own political uh, purposes, can I believe that Mitch McConnell and his colleagues would let the nation go into default? Uh, and cause the economy to go into huge upheaval? Uh, sadly, yes. Sadly, yes. And that's coming from Norm Ornstein, who's uh, spent you know four decades studying this stuff, and he's quite worried about that, as am I. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit today about what is actually going on here, so you might understand it, because with everything go else going on, this has not received a lot of coverage in recent days, at least until now, because, you know, I think it's all so stupid. <laughs> it <laughs> really, is. It's so unspeakably dumb and pointless and self-destructive that, you know, I think most believe that Republicans must certainly be bluffing here. They're not really going to do this or something. I don't I don't know why this has not received that kind of a, the, the attention you might expect, given the dangers that we could be headed to towards. It is so pointless, you know, that even I am having trouble figuring out what the hell they are actually doing or what the hell they think they are doing or ultimately why they are even doing it. It does seem hard to believe that they would do something so petty and dumb and pointless and self-destructive to the country, you know, but one should never misunderestimate the willingness of today's Republican Party, I guess, to not only take hostages for no reason at all, but to then sub subsequently blow themselves up along with the hostages. Well, I think we can remember that over and over again, Republicans have always been willing to push the U.S. economy off the cliff for political gain. If they perceive that it will help them in the next election, they will do anything. Or at least threaten to do it. And they usually back off in some fashion at the very end. Democrats usually have to uh, bail them out in some fashion. But yeah, it's madness, which is why I think that it's received so little coverage, really. It just seems to make no sense at all. But making sense clearly is no longer a value itself for the GOP, which seems to have no values at all anymore at this point. No other governing than, philosophy no, at not, all. Nothing other than a cause mayhem. And hope that somehow that redounds to their benefit. Well, look, everything's disastrous. It's chaos. Now that uh, Joe Biden is in the White House, everything is madness. Elect us. The arsonists. So, uh, as noted, all right, there are actually two different things at stake here, but they are sort of conflated as they both have deadlines beginning largely on October 1, uh, which is the beginning of the new fiscal year for the U.S. government. Two things at stake, two things about to happen at largely the same time, unless Republicans suddenly grow up, and I'm sure that'll happen, or if they give up their game of their dangerous game of chicken, which they sometimes do, or if Democrats come up with some other idea that nobody seems to know what it would actually be at this point. For that matter, I'm not even sure that the Democrats are taking this all as seriously as perhaps they should. But maybe they know something that I don't. So I've been crawling through a whole bunch of reporting to see if I could try to make sense of all any of this for myself and thus try to make sense of it for you. You're welcome and wish me luck. 
because in fact I'm having some trouble because there just does not seem to be much sense to any of this. But to bring you up to date on where things stand at the moment, I found Huffington Post coverage to be uh, good on this uh, from last night. Democrats in the House of Representatives passed a bill on Tuesday evening that would suspend the federal government's borrowing limit. That's the so-called debt ceiling. And that bill that was passed by Democrats in the House would avoid a potentially catastrophic debt default. It was passed in the House by the Senate's where there's a majority and there is no filibuster. So the Democrats all voted for it. The Republicans all voted against it. But Senate Republicans have insisted they will not vote for a debt limit suspension, meaning that the bill will stall in the U.S. Senate with no clear prospects for its passage or for an alternate solution before the federal government exhausts its ability to borrow money at some point next month. Now, there are certain things that the Treasury Secretary uh, Janet Yellen can do the Treasury Sec- Secretary and the feds that they can try to do to sort of extend the moment at which the country is simply unable to pay its bills anymore. But all of this is 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 kind of a fiscal cliff, a phrase that you may recall hearing quite a bit. The last time that a Democrat was in the White House, you don't hear fiscal cliff very often when there's a Republican in the White House. But the last time the Democrat was there and Republicans in Congress were holding the nation hostage to their hissy fits, there was quite a bit of talk about the fiscal cliff that the nation might go over. So back to HuffPost here. They say what's odd about this standoff now is that Republicans and Democrats agree that Congress has to address the debt limit, but Republicans are refusing to vote for what they themselves consider to be the right outcome. Senator Mitt Romney, Remember him? He's he's supposed to be one of the responsible, grown-ups, not insane Republicans in the caucus. He told reporters on Tuesday, quote, We don't want to have a national default. That would be catastrophic. But Democrats can solve this all by themselves. They have the votes to do it. It's actually not true. Get to that in a second. Failing to deal with the debt limit, as HuffPo notes, could royal financial markets and disrupt basic government operations. In an opinion piece this week at Wall Street Journal, Treasury Secretary Yellen wrote, quote, nearly 50 million seniors could stop receiving Social Security checks for a time. Our U.S. troops could go unpaid. Millions of families who rely on the monthly child tax credit that they are now receiving thanks to the Democrats' uh, American Rescue Plan from earlier this year. And they're trying to extend those tax credits for another 10 years in the um, uh, budget reconciliation plan, the Build Back Better program. Uh, Anyway, the families who receive those checks, they could see delays. America, in short, would default on its obligations, wrote Janet Yellen the Treasury Secretary in the Wall Street Journal. HuffPost notes what makes this clash even more dangerous is that Congress must also, at the same time, pass a bill to avert a government shutdown by September 30, a scenario that could deal a double blow to the economy, which, of course, might give you some indication of why the Republicans are so far willing to do all of this. Yes, they are willing to burn down the village in order to save it. As they see it, as they used to say about Vietnam, I guess. 
House Democrats tied their uh, their debt ceiling increase Tuesday. Uh, the one that was passed out of the House, they tied that uh, debt ceiling increase to a measure that would also fund the government for a few more months until the end of the year, a so-called continuing resolution where they simply keep the current status quo spending for the government for the moment until there is a new spending bill to replace it, that in order to avert a shutdown. Congress has traditionally raised the statutory debt ceiling on a bipartisan basis going back for 100 years or so. That's what they've done traditionally anyway until recent years when uh, and, and at least when there is a Republican in the White House, even in recent years, they're willing to raise it. It's only when there's a Democrat in the White House, starting with Barack Obama in 2009. Right. Other than that, it's votes from members of both parties. Republicans and Democrats lift the debt ceiling as needed to keep the country out of default. Republicans voted to lift the limit three different times during the Trump administration with no problems at all. You probably didn't hear about it because it wasn't a problem. They added trillions of dollars to the national debt in the bargain, and they did so without complaint. In 2017, for example, Donald Trump's first year in office, when Republicans controlled at the time, both the White House and Congress, Democrats joined with Republicans in voting to suspend the country's borrowing authority, even though the GOP at the time was pushing a $1.5 trillion tax cut that year. Because raising the debt ceiling is responsible. Democrats did not use the good faith and credit of the U.S. government as a bargaining chip, as, or a, a, hostage. as, a, as a hostage to, th- you know, to threaten to default on our obligations in, in order, as they could at the time, in order to have prevented the Republicans from giving away $1.5 trillion largely to rich people and major corporations in that Republican-only Republican tax cut that was passed. In 2019, here is then-GOP Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on, on the idea, he was asked about uh, the idea of not raising the U.S. debt ceiling. He was one on one of the Fox News shows. Uh, he was asked about, you know, what would happen if you did not raise the debt ceiling and if you defaulted on U.S. debt and, and how crazy that would be. So you are expecting then to raise the debt ceiling once again? Of course. We, yeah. will, never, we will never have America default. Well, we raise the debt ceiling because America can't default. I mean, that would be a disaster. That would be a disaster. <laughs> We would never do that. So uh, back during the uh, 2011 debt ceiling crisis, during the Obama administration, which uh, which though it was ultimately averted, even the GOP's willingness to threaten to default on U.S. commitments, that resulted in the first ever downgrade of the U.S. debt holdings. That after Republicans demanded that Democrats agree to enact certain budget cuts in exchange for an increase in the debt limit. So at least back then, they had some sort of terrible reason for doing it, which is not the case now. And here we are just to 2021, right? I'm just making sure. 2021, what you heard from Mitch McConnell, that was 2019, where he said, we would never do that. We would never default on the U.S. This time around, however, Republicans are not asking for anything. They're just refusing to vote to raise the debt ceiling, which is why it has received so little coverage, because nobody can believe that they would actually do something this stupid or this destructive. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said this week for Republicans to suddenly throw their hands in the air and abscond from their responsibility to pay debt 
that they proudly supported, he says, is nothing short of a dine and dash of historic <laughs> proportions. Republicans racked trillions of dollars of debt under Donald Trump, and they are demanding American families now foot the bill. Those who vote no will be saying we're OK with default and we're OK with the government shutdown to say do it another way. That doesn't cut it. Republicans are arguing here that since Democrats passed pandemic relief, uh, the, their American Rescue Plan earlier this year, without any Republican votes at all, which, by the way, was the choice of Republicans who were more than welcome to vote with the Democrats on that COVID relief bill, just as the Democrats voted with the Republicans on their several COVID relief bills. Uh, Democrats are planning uh, to pass another partisan spending bill this fall, of course. That's the Build Back Better bill, which, again, Republicans could vote for if they wanted, or they could even participate in crafting it, but they are unwilling to do so. They have taken themselves out of this. No one has said that Republicans could not participate. In fact, Joe Biden has been trying to get Republicans to participate in anything and everything that he can. But because Republicans here have forced Democrats to go alone on these things, Democrats somehow should now handle the debt limit by themselves somehow by attaching a debt limit increase to that forthcoming $3.5 trillion Build Back Better reconciliation me measure. That, according to Mitch McConnell this week. Washington Democrats want to jam through trillions of dollars in reckless spending all by themselves, they can raise the debt limit all by themselves. If they want to do one, they'll need to do the other. Mm -hmm. So apparently that seems to be it. A hissy fit. You're not letting us play in your, uh, in your reconciliation bill. Well, you're welcome to. You chose not to, Mitch McConnell. And remember, when Republicans jammed through trillions, trillions in tax cuts, ballooning the deficit all by themselves, Democrats still ended up voting to raise the debt ceiling in those years in order to pay for those tax cuts that were done all by themselves, all by the Republicans themselves. But Democrats... In this case, they cannot simply just raise the debt ceiling all by themselves, at least not until they are ready to pass their Build Back Better bill under Senate reconciliation rules that allow them to pass that you know, budget-related bill on a simple majority vote. Then they might be able to put something in there about the debt ceiling. But Democrats are unlikely to finish the work on that spending bill before the Treasury Department starts defaulting on debts at some point next month. In October, Republicans, of course, both know that and they know that even though Democrats could vote in the majority to raise the debt limit, they could do Democrats could do that by themselves, but they can't do it so long as Republicans filibuster that that vote which would then require 10 Republicans to join with the Democrats for passage. And so far, zero Republicans. No, not even Mitt Romney and certainly not Mitch McConnell, who, remember, back in 2019 under Donald Trump said, Of course, we, yeah. will, never, we will never have America default. Well, we raised the debt ceiling because America can't default. I mean, that would be a disaster. That would be. We would never, never let America default. 
Now, McConnell, this week, with a Democrat in the White House, says... Republicans are united in opposition to raising the debt ceiling. Of course, the argument that uh, Democrats, by the way, are solely responsible for the national debt ignores the fact that annual budget deficits reflect years, years of policy choices, decades of policy choices, including ones that, you know, resulted from bipartisan votes or purely Republican votes. The Joint Committee on Taxation, for instance, back in uh, 2017, under Donald Trump, they predicted at the time that the partisan Republican tax bill that is still in effect, that it was passed that year, back in 2017, without any Democratic votes, that that would end up costing $220 billion to the federal budget deficit this year in 2021. Just that one bill alone. That needs to be paid for now. And no Democrats were responsible for that bill. On Tuesday, several Senate Republicans said simply that Democrats are in charge now, so they have to deal with this. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa told HuffPost, quote, it's a partisan vote because they're in the majority. Senator John Cornyn of Texas, the second ranking Republican in the Senate, said uh, they they need to do it on their own. Senator Pat Toomey, Republican of Pennsylvania, said, quote, the fact is my Democratic colleagues have gone on a spending binge that is without precedent, at least since World War II, maybe ever. And if they want to spend that much, they can raise the debt limit. But this is not about money that has not yet been spent. This is about money that has already been spent, Senator, including, yes, by Republicans including trillions on COVID relief and on war and on tax cuts for the rich. Stuff that they previously agreed to commit the U.S. government to. Now they don't want to pay for it. Dine and dash indeed. Senator John Thune, Republican from South Dakota, told HuffPo that it doesn't matter that the national debt has been piled up in a bipartisan way since Democrats are now working on major legislation in the future without any Republican input, which, of course, is by Republicans' choice. Thune said, quote, the bipartisan nature of things that have been done in the past is clearly different than what they are doing right now. Sure, because, you know, you remember that bipartisan 2017 tax cut that Republicans rammed through by themselves at the cost of at least $1.5 trillion. I mean, it's weaponized gaslighting is what it is. Yes, it is. And of course, again, Republicans could uh, allow Democrats to raise the debt ceiling by themselves with a simple majority vote, as McConnell has said. But they can only do that if Republicans opted not to filibuster that. That's the key point here. They're going to filibuster it. Several GOP senators, including Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, have already said they will not allow that to happen. So, no, they cannot do it by themselves. So what is plan B here? Well, as of today, uh, apparently no, no one knows. There isn't one. Here, here's Nancy Pelosi. Uh, was this uh, today? or Yes, this was in the House weekly House press conference that she holds. On Thursday morning. The Republicans t- today, yesterday, they voted to shut down government and not honor the full faith and credit of the United States of America. 
shutting down government at the same time as rejecting assistance for their own constituents who are affected by Hurricane Ida. Uh, again, we'll, we'll keep government open. We'll have the, the votes to do that, and then, and then we'll go to the Senate again. But uh, the full faith and credit is a national debate. It's a national debate. And why should it be that we as Democrats always come to the rescue when it's a Republican president? And we're not coming to the rescue of the president. We're coming to the rescue of our economy, of families and their, the interest they pay on loans and their job security and the rest of that. That's the debate that we have to have. And uh, we, w we must succeed. And so, again, hopefully... Uh, with your messaging this on Fox News, you will get a lot of people writing into their people and saying, <laughs> "Let's not shut, let's not uh, uh, renege on the national debt. It's about paying." You know, the former president was famous for not paying his bills, and they want to do that again. But we cannot let them do that and jeopardize our economy. That is that is exactly what they are doing. Oh yes, they are not paying their bills, stuff they already bought, but they're not paying for it. They're I mean, not, yeah, it just it, it just it really hits home for me. Somebody had said this earlier and I saw it and I thought that is so true. Electing Republicans is a giant waste of time and tax dollars because all they're doing right now is mucking up the works as much as possible, willing again to tank the U.S. economy yep. for political gain. It's 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 just really it, it's kind of mind blowing. It shouldn't be. We should be used to this by now. And yet here we are. And uh, and yet there's at, at least for now, there doesn't seem to be a plan B on any of this that, you know, they're unless they unless the Republicans some, somehow come around right now, you know, if they want to, they can throw this nation and its economy and the world economy with it over a cliff. And apparently they want to. Which is why I thought I needed to explain all of this. I know it's complicated. I know it's long and whatever. But, you know, in, in case the GOP actually does pull this trigger, trigger on U.S. default, defaulting on its debts this time, I want you to know why it is happening and who is actually responsible for it and who ultimately should be held accountable for it. But according to The Hill today, Congress is charging toward a government shutdown and debt default and appears to have no backup plan roughly a week before federal agencies will have to shutter their doors. The Senate will vote as soon as Monday on a House-passed bill that would fund the government into early December and suspend the debt ceiling through 2022, but Republicans will block that bill from getting the 10 votes needed to break a filibuster because of the debt ceiling hike, and GOP senators stress they aren't bluffing. I don't know what the plan B is, said Senator Debbie Stabenow, the Democrat from Michigan. She's a member of party leadership. She said plan B is to have Republicans step up and be responsible. Uh, I think she had it right in the first place. There is no plan B. If yeah. that's the plan B, there is no plan B. Don't really see legislatively how there can be a plan B, but I'm not a parliamentarian. so Once Senate Republicans block the House bill, the federal government will be days away from shutdown, potentially weeks away from a historic debt default. Congress has a week to avoid a shutdown that would begin on October 1, that is Friday, a week from now, or more accurately, midnight on Thursday, September 30th. So mark your calendars. Republicans see a benefit in forcing the Democrats to raise the debt ceiling as part of their $3.5 trillion spending bill. 
But while the bill is unlikely to be ready in time to avoid hitting the debt ceiling, there is another problem, according to House Budget Committee Chair John Yarmuth, Democrat from Kentucky, in a statement on Wednesday. He says, quote, parliamentary parliamentary obstacles prevent us from altering the framework of the reconciliation bill or addressing the debt ceiling through reconciliation. Senator Tim Kaine, Democrat from Virginia, said he had been open to including the debt hike in the Democratic-only spending bill, but suggested that the time for that has now passed. He said, I don't think it's easy to amend that instruction. Uh, you know, all of this uh, is is stupid, of course, because there is no reason for the debt ceiling nonsense at all. There's no uh, reason for any of this to exist. But either way, the entrenched stalemate is possible after Republicans vote down that House pass bill, which, by the way, also includes natural disaster assistance for all of those uh, Americans who are suffering from the recent chain of hurricanes and tropical storms and flooding and wildfires. And it included Afghan refugee resettlement money. That after the GOP had been pretending to be so upset about the way that Joe Biden pulled out of Afghanistan without adequately planning for, yes, the evacuation of Afghan allies and plans for their resettlement. So it's all stupid. There's no reason for it. And there's no reason for the debt ceiling nonsense at all because the U.S. government, Democrats and Republicans voted for this stuff and now they must pay for this stuff no matter how much they have to borrow or raise taxes to do it. Or they can cut stuff if they like. But all of that has to be legislated. Legislated. They can't just, you know, not pay their bills. And there's no reason other than this 100-year-old law that was put in place during World War I to appease war opponents somehow that the government wouldn't you know, spend too much on the war. There's no reason that this dumb debt ceiling law even exists in the first place. We get nothing out of it, but it can be used as a weapon, and it is being used as a weapon by sore loser Republicans right now to take the entire country down with them. As to preventing Republicans from bringing the entire planet down, or at least humanity down with them, well, as usual, that is part of Desi Doyen's latest <laughs> Green News report. That comes up next after this break. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. Once again, repeating our top exclusive breaking news from the top of this show, the uh, cyber ninjas in Maricopa County, Arizona, have found that, in fact, Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump in Maricopa and therefore in Arizona by even more votes than Arizona originally said. And now, our latest <laughs> Green News report. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot afford to waste any more time. Let's get to work. President Biden pushes for unified climate action at UN. China vows to end international financing of coal plants. Plus, as of today, Illinois is a force for good for an environmental future we can be proud of. Illinois passes landmark clean energy and climate law. All of those stories and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and 
Snarky comment. In California, wildfires have been spreading like, uh, what's something that spreads fast? Oh, I know, herpes. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, a lot of talk about climate, a lot of talk about climate action at this week's U.N. General Assembly. Yes, there was. And in his first address to the United Nations General Assembly this week, President Biden called for nations of the world to unite for collective action on COVID-19 and climate change. In my view, how we answer these questions in this moment, whether we choose to fight for our shared future or not, will reverberate for generations yet to come. Simply put, we stand, in my view, at an inflection point in history. This is within our power to meet these challenges, to build a future that lifts all of our people and preserves this planet. But such unity is elusive, in part because of mounting anger at the failure of wealthy countries to meet their pledges to mobilize $100 billion a year to help developing countries cope with the ravages of climate change and build green economies. So Biden announced that the U.S. will double its contribution to the International Climate Aid Fund to more than $11 billion annually by 2024. However, the increased funding requires congressional approval. <laughs> I was just going to ask. He can't do that on his own. Nope. Another big announcement at the U.N. came from Chinese President Xi Jinping, who announced that China will end financing of new coal-fired power plants internationally. Nice. Now, while the move does not address China's plans to build more coal plants at home, energy analysts say it is still a huge blow to international financing of coal, because more than 70 percent of all coal plants built today rely on Chinese funding. Mm. The shift indicates that international pressure on China to do more to cut emissions is working. Scientists say that ending the burning of coal everywhere is necessary to avoid catastrophic climate impacts. And it's got to be done soon. And it matters because nature is not playing along. New research finds that unprecedented wildfires across the entire northern hemisphere this summer set new records for carbon dioxide emissions. Now, scientists say forest regrowth can eventually pull that CO2 out of the atmosphere again, but only if that forest fully recovers before it burns again. Here in the U.S., a new study shows that fires in the U.S. West are burning at higher elevations than ever before mm. because of climate change. Researchers found that rapid snowmelt and critical dryness are pushing wildfires ever higher, burning terrain that previously was too wet, exposing an additional 31,000 square miles of U.S. forests to fires at higher elevations. Oh, fantastic. In other news, extreme heat is the number one cause of weather-related fatalities in the U.S. by far. So the Biden White House has announced that OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, will establish the first ever federal safety rules to protect workers from increasingly dangerous and common extreme heat events, and it will cover both outdoor and indoor jobs. Well, that's not a moment too soon. Some good news. Michigan's Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer announced this week that the state will be the first in the nation to construct a segment of road that will charge electric vehicles while they're driving. Oh, very cool. I've been waiting for this. And in a related matter, really, there is no reason in the world that we couldn't run solar panels along every bit of highway in this country, correct? Correct. It just takes the will to get it done. Yes. And we ain't got no will. 
Ford Motor Company says it is partnering with battery recycler Redwood Materials to create a closed-loop domestic supply chain for the production, recycling, and reuse of electric vehicle battery materials, reducing the need for imports and preventing further damage from mining. Finally, Illinois has become the first state in the Midwest to set hard targets for phasing out the use of both coal and natural gas, and the first in the Midwest to commit to reaching 100% clean energy by 2045. The law includes major investments in environmental justice and boosts the state as an electric vehicle manufacturing hub. Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker cast it as simply good business. Doubling our investments in renewable energy, making it clear to the world that Illinois is open for business with long-term stable financing to boot. Well, good for the land o Lincoln. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. We have got to get out. If you missed our exclusive news on the broadcast today, well, just go and listen to the top of the show. You're welcome. Uh, Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump in Arizona. Who knew? Now the cyber ninjas know. Okay, we got to go. Thanks to our producer. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. And please remember, we rely on your support at bradblog.com donate to stay on your public airwaves. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Bradblog. That's it. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Happy